Welcome to One Man's Opinion, brought to you by the Elite Fantasy, Fantasy Guru, and EliteSportsBetting.com. And now, here's your host, Jeff Manns. All right, welcome in everybody. Another episode of the podcast that's sweeping the nation is indeed One Man's Opinion right here, wherever your favorite podcasts are found, wherever you have downloaded this program from. You can't get to it. It's not like they're just playing it for you. Uh, welcome to the program, everybody. This is a uh, very busy time of year. A lot going on. The NFL season's in. It should be in full swing. People are treating it like it's the off season. Anybody that you hear say it's the off season after June first is not a real fantasy football player. So we'll have a ton of fantasy football talk on the program today. We're going to get into some life stuff. We'll uh, we'll be doing a lot. So thank you again for spreading the word. Thank you for downloading, commenting, subscribing, and getting this here episode. Remember that this is indeed uncensored, unfiltered, which that means put the kitties to bed. Make sure that the sensitive eyes and ears are nowhere around wherever you're listening to this from. Put the Bluetooth in, put the headphones in. And, uh, you know, have, let's have some, let's have some motherfucking fun. How about that? All right. My name is Jeff Vance. By the way, you find me weekday afternoons hosting elite sports on Sirius XM fantasy sports radio, four to 6 PM Eastern time every weekday over there. I'm also owner and operator fantasyguru.com, the elite sports network and, uh, have the greatest staff in the world over there. Fantasyguru.com. A lot of great people doing amazing work in our 2022 fantasy football draft guide is out it is there it has more content every day it's not a set product it is we have thousands of player rankings and projections and welcome messages and bold predictions and our we have a full on best ball guide our best ball guide not only does it have 9 10 articles and breakdowns and rankings for all best ball league formats it's also very very conducive to our sponsor underdogfantasy.com's best ball mania three best ball tournament where this is a two million dollar top prize one million dollars to second place half a million dollars five hundred thousand if you finish in third overall in the best ball mania three get over there to underdogfantasy.com use the promo code elite e-l-i-t-e and you double your deposit bonus Highly recommend that $100 cap. So put in $100, you double it to $200, and that should set you up for the entire duration of your best ball drafts. At least I think it should, unless you're you know, a crazy person or keep pounding the pavement, which we obviously applaud and appreciate, but it'll get you where you need to be. Also, when you use that promo code ELITE, you not only get the deposit bonus, you also get to see when me and our staff over at fantasyguru.com, when we are drafting, our best ball teams. You can get into leagues with us. You can see who we're drafting and when we're drafting them, just so you make sure check on my work folks, you know, you know, if I'm telling you go out there and, and draft Javante Williams, but I'm like, nah, fuck that. I'm not doing that. Well then not a good analyst and uh, should not be trusted. Right. So make sure of that at underdogfantasy.com. We have 11 articles on every position and roster construction and the advanced drafting tactics and the average draft position all for the best ball mania three tournament it's all part of our draft guide it's all included we've got a dynasty league guide with rankings and league setups and rookie pro profiles and 
rankings of just the rookies and IDP rookie rankings and roster reviews that we've done for our subscribers and our 2022 class expectations, the 2023 mock draft and rookie rankings as well, already a year ahead of time. So all that draft strategies and dependency and mock draft and the off season and the faces in new places and the red zone, all of that is over there already live over at fantasyguru.com. And don't forget, we haven't even launched. It, it, my coaching breakdowns aren't even live yet, right? Neither is the offensive line rankings and breakdowns by Ted Schuster and Armando Marsal. So, I mean, every day we add more and more and more, and you will not be disappointed. Remember, fantasy football training camp is also over at fantasyguru.com. August 19th, it's a Friday, a full day and then some of fantasy football discussion, questions and answers, seminars, uh, just you know, from dynasty to best ball, we'll take you through auction drafting, player evaluations, draft strategies, our entire team, Armando Marcel, Tyler Beaker, Russell Clay, myself, Ted Schuster, Ray Flowers, CJ Kaltenbach, Rob Brink, the whole crew, Scotty B, Scott Bonder and Chris Rose and, our guy, Phil Backer, the whole staff will be over there. Uh, Mike, the beard. And now I'm leaving everybody out. Uh, oh, Ryan Clifford, my man as well. We will all be a part of it. And then, you know, late night, we'll play some poker, have some fun there with prizes. Everybody who attends fantasy football training camp this year will get a, a free entry into the elite mafia fantasy football championship. Also with prizes for league prizes and overall prizes. So you have to be an all-in subscriber, though. Well, that's your best way. All-in subscriber to get that. That means uh, it's a $99 package after all the discounts. It's 180 bucks or $190. And with all the discounts, though, it's about 50% off. And it gets you in the door to Fantasy Football Training Camp and your ticket to the league as well. On top of our coverage in the draft guide and full season guide and the off-season guide and Elite Data and Elite Plus, where our podcast and live stream networks are, and access to our Discord and all of that great stuff. So, yeah, it's a lot. And uh, it's all there, fantasyguru.com. Follow me at Jeff underscore Mans on Twitter. The Jeff Mans, all one word, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, and on TikTok. So it's a little special of an episode. I am indeed solo on the program today, and that's because I am recording this while, well, on vacation. That's right. Hence the name of this episode. I, I feel this is the first time I've ever done this. Never done a recording while on vacation. And in fairness, it just began. And I'm recording this show also a day early than normal. So I'll, to be transparent with y'all, normally I'm doing Wednesday nights when I'm recording this and it comes out late night on Wednesday. This one will still debut at the same time, but I am recording this on Tuesday. So just so you guys are all aware, in case some crazy news breaks the next 24 hours, like, man, fuck's wrong with you, man? You didn't even tell us what's going on. Well, that's the reason why. Um, yeah, I'm taking a few days here uh, for... The family, we're going out, we're heading out to the great Northwest, getting out of the super heat of 120 degrees in Arizona. It's the time to do it in the summer. I have not had, have not had a vacation. We've not done a family vacation. Like I'm sure most of you have any of you traveled in the last two years, two and a half years now. Have you? I haven't. We were at Disney world when COVID broke out, like mid February, late February, second to last week in February. 
we were um, in, in Disney World and out, out there in Orlando, and it was just all falling apart. We got back in the nick of time, and that was kind of it, right? That was just uh, completely done. That was just how it all went down, and we haven't been on a vacation since. So, um, yeah, so that and so getting away for the first time since then, and uh, doing a little traveling and having some fun with the family. While we're doing that, I will be doing the program on Wednesday, but not on Thursday or Friday on Sirius XM. Ray and Ted will be having that. So just a couple days really off for me. I'll be writing the entire time I'm out there. I'll be posting baseball bets while I'm out there as well. So uh, just an FYI on that. But, you know, something I wanted to start out today's show talking about that, that premise of vacations. I feel and I ask you guys the question and not for any other reason, you know, than, um, you know, I'm just curious on who is you know, how many of you have traveled, right? Like how many of you have been traveling in that time in the last two and a half years? Um, I never traveled. And I think that's like vacations, almost an entitlement these days. I feel somewhat guilty for, for leaving and not doing a couple of days of work. You know what I mean? It's just weird for me. Um, normally my, my regiment's always the same. We take, a, I take one week off in February after the Super Bowl and before right after the football season, after the Super Bowl, before spring training really gets going, spring training usually starts around that week off, you know, sometimes a little later, sometimes a little sooner and all that. And that's my week off for the year. And in the past, I've gotten away for a weekend trip uh, here and there in when the kids were younger during the summer, either June or July, as I'm doing now. And that's when I write a lot of the draft guide stuff. I let the kids frolic around and we go to either. Yeah. Disney or yeah, no, no. And in July, usually we went to the Wisconsin Dells or we went to a water park or some like family theme, you know, resort. And then I would write the draft guide. I've written a lot of my draft guides uh, while on those weekends. And this won't be any different. I'm pretty much fine tuning and locking in all my uh, system breakdowns, coaching breakdowns for the fantasy guru draft guide. As a matter of fact, while I'm out there in Washington. So that will be a lot of fun um, to do, to get away and to write. It's inspiring to get away, but man, I, I didn't take a, I didn't leave the state of Illinois. I didn't leave what then was the three, one, two area code until I was 13 years old. We, when I claim that we were poor, we, it's not a claim. It's, it's a fucking fact we were dirt poor. Never a vacation. It was never even thought about, never even like nobody talked about it. I couldn't imagine my parents were both passed away. I couldn't even imagine them. My dad traveled a little bit. Now he was in the Navy. So he saw the world and what have you, but I couldn't even imagine my mom getting on an airplane. Like I wouldn't even, I, she did. She went to Florida once they, when my brother and sisters who are all much older than me when they were younger and there was a couple family vacations that they took. But by the time I came around fifth out of the youngest out of five kids, you know, there was no money for that. We didn't move. The first time I left the state of Illinois, it was the, one of the most exciting days of my life. I was 13 years old. It was a summer day and my sister Drove my sister drove me and one of my friends, Tim, up to Gurney Mills Mall in Wisconsin. 
first time it ever left the state of Illinois. It was like the most magical thing ever. So yeah, I just never traveled, never went anywhere. By the time then uh, I was 17 was my first time on an airplane. That was with my now, my then girlfriend, now wife, or I was 18, I think. And we went down to Florida uh, to the Keys. Her, my wife's father was a professional boat racer and got to watch him race in the Florida Keys and all that kind of stuff, which was pretty cool. Um, so anyway, like I just didn't travel. Like it just wasn't something that I did. Uh, I got the taste of it though, as I got older and I started, you know, taking road trips. And as a young adult, me, me and my girlfriend and now wife, obviously she, we'd go to Door County, Wisconsin road trips and things like that. Uh, me and my buddies would go on a road trip down to St. Louis, um, have crazy, crazy stories from some of those trips. That is for sure. Both Door County, Friend, I one of my buddies drank 37 shots of peppermint schnapps. 37. That's a whole bottle for those who don't know. That's what it equated to. And he got so plastered. He wanted to jump in uh the the Lake Michigan. And I mean, it was a fucking nightmare trying to get that thrown up on the beach and trying to drag him back. And man, that was a, a scary time, but wild fucking time, too. I think we're 17, 18 years old not ideal. Um, so some of the trips there. And then once I turned 21, the trip to Vegas, I used to go to Vegas all the time and loved going to Vegas, still love going to Vegas. Who doesn't love going to Vegas? But I mean, those, that Vegas is probably my favorite destination to go to just because there's everything in the world to do. I've never been, I think my lack of travel is why I'm not a beach guy. I grew up in the Midwest. So, you know, I mean, we had like the Lake Michigan, so we had beaches and, ponds and lagoons and rivers and shit but i was never a beach guy right i like the beach florida beaches california beaches and all that but i just never never been a big boat guy don't tell phil backard any of this please my producer on sirius xm he he's a massive beach guy massive boat guy but i've just never been one of those um i like things to do And for my family, if you guys have young kids, I mean, our thing has been for years. My oldest wants to see a new state every time we travel. My youngest, the boy wants to see a ballpark or a stadium or something there. Um, And then my middle girl wants to, she always wants to do something fun and kitschy and cool. You know, that's basically her guidelines. Do something cool. Okay, what do we got to do that's cool? So everywhere we go, we have to figure out. And she likes to undermine or, you know, underwrite the resort we stay at, the location we stay at, and all that. So, you know, it's always tough traveling with a family, especially as those kids get old. I had one of the greatest times in that I've had in a long time this past weekend. Uh, I, my nephew, Mike, who actually listens to the podcast, well, Mike, so. Uh, him and his family were down here uh, from Chicago. They live in Chicago. And for those who don't know, when I say my nephews, like I have two nephews that are about five and seven years younger than me. So I was babysitting them when they were infants. And I was like nine, 10 years old. That's what my family did. I mean, hell, I changed their freaking diapers, but we're close in age. We also grew up together. We went to games together. I baby used to babysit them through the, uh, throughout summers. Like my summer job was babysit my nephews, watch my nephews. And I did crazy shit. We'd ride our bikes down Lake street in Illinois, you know, it, all crazy stuff. But 
um, I had my nephews out, my nephew and his beautiful family and his three kids. And I'll tell you those, I wanted to say this to all the parents out there. And I mean, this, it could not be more serious. You need to soak up these years, man. When your kids are young, when your kids are that young, the tough ages, you know, they're two, three, four, five, all the way up to 10, 11, 12. Those ages, just soak it up. I know how hard it is. It's the most difficult thing you go through. It puts strain on yourself and your finances and the stress. I mean, I know as a father, I was brought up, you need to provide for your family and you need to protect your family. And that's the thing a lot of us fathers, I don't know. I, I feel like, no offense to the women and the moms out there, obviously. I mean, toughest job in the fucking world, and that's the truth. But I also think that the moms and the wives get a lot of the credit nowadays too. You know what I mean? They, they at least out there, not, I'm not saying all of you, but the, the dads, don't, we don't get any kind of credit. We're like, there's expectations of us and that's just it. Like, are your dad now? All right. Well, where's, where's the income? Where's the protection? Where's the, you know, and you have to do all these things and not, not one of those things also take care of the moms out there. It's a tough thing. And I know it, it's a pressure filled balloon that could pop at any moment. So I know how difficult it is, but man, you guys take a breath and just look around and just enjoy it because it's really the best. There's nothing like having the young kids around. It's a different kind of energy. It's a different kind of vibe around the house. And you know, my nephew being out here and stayed down in Arizona for a couple of days, had him up at our house for a few days. There's nothing. It's the best time in the world. And, you know, his kids, five and two, uh, 10, five and two, 11, five and two, um, almost 11, five and two. So just a different energy. It's a different feeling. And it's, it's so great. I had the absolute time of my life watching Sonic the Hedgehog and, you know, playing trucks and cars and swimming and all these things that the kids like to do. And, you know, they're going to the dinosaur museum that they went to and hearing about the dinosaur. It's just, it's just a great thing. And for everybody out there, the young parents, the older parents doing it for the first time, because my kids are old, man, 20, 17 and 12 now. I mean, those days, they don't sit on your lap and watch a show. They don't sit and listen to musics and sing-alongs and things like that. And it, for some of you, maybe that wasn't your deal. You didn't like it. But I think we all can agree once it's over, you miss it. And maybe not every single day you miss it, but you miss it, you know, big time from, from uh, you know, on week to week, I'll say, instead of day to day, maybe. But you, you miss that energy. You miss that vibe. I had a great time with it. But, yeah, so going on the big family trip, have a lot planned. Should be exciting going to see uh, the Seattle Mariners game and uh, playing the Angels and get to see Trout and Otani and things like that. Should be a very good time. It's one of the stadiums I've never seen before. And tr- quite honestly, when I look around and you try to make that ballpark tour, I don't know if any of you guys have ever done it. And if you have, at Jeff underscore Mans on Twitter, hit me up because you know I'm working my way through it. But I never thought I'd get all the way up to Seattle. I never thought I'd get up to the great Northwest. Like that's one that I'm like, well, it's hard to hit with any of these other things, but to uh, get out of the 120 degree heat, definitely worth it to me. Let's go over some news and notes around NFL organized team activities and mini camps 
that are going on over there. I want to get some of this. Tyree kills the big asshole. Drew Rosenhaus is a big asshole. We know that they you're talking about Tua Tagovailoa being more accurate than Patrick Mahomes is just ridiculous. Like the, the thing when you say something so ridiculous, it it's it's not even a real thing. All you're doing is trying to be an asshole. That's what Tyree Kill is trying to do, and is his uh, agent Drew Rosenhaus. There's no reason for it. Just say, listen, Tua's doing great. He's amazing. Yeah, you don't say he's better than Patrick Mahomes. No way. Even if he was, like, I will give it up. Even if he was, you don't say it. This is something that is not done. It's ridiculous. So that's bothersome. You know, Tyreek saying he didn't get the ball enough in Kansas City, another thing that's absolutely erroneous. You know, this is a guy who's had the third most targets over the last three years in the National Football League, and that's with missing several games. And by the way, on paper, that's Tyree Kill didn't miss any games last year. That's the on paper, he played all 17 games. Okay. But we know that that's not exactly true because this dude bowed out twice. It's super duper early. He barely played week 17. Right, came in, got his one catch, that was it. Um, and then left two other games super early, the Baltimore game, the Denver game. Right. And comes back a week later and sort of, you know, goes through the motions and then that against the Raiders at least late in the season. It just yeah, it's plenty of fucking targets, that guy. 159 targets, 111 catches. Not enough involvement. Get the fuck out. That's the kind of cancer can't Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes just don't need. Now, on the Chiefs front, though, they signed Jarek McKinnon. Let's talk about this. I'm not that worried about McKinnon. I have very little. No, I have no fantasy interest in Jarek McKinnon whatsoever. I just don't. But, 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 it blurs the backfield even more now. Because we can't deny that they, they stuck with McKinnon for a while. They sawed him through all his knee inflammation and everything else. And then in the playoffs, he was their main back, I guess. Daryl Williams really was the main back, but McKinnon was a force in those playoff games, especially the first uh, one against the Pittsburgh Steelers, right? Didn't he let most people down the next two weeks, but he was a force there. So, it's not out of the realm of possibility because Clyde Edwards Hilaire is just a diminutive little twat. And the and Ronald Jones couldn't break a tackle if it was made of tissue paper. So there's a real opportunity. The thing that it pisses me off is I had just drafted Isaiah Pacheco um, in a dynasty, deep dynasty 32 team or just literally a day or two before. And I'm a Pacheco guy. I kind of like him. I think he really, he's the perfect Andy Reid running back here. And now it just gets that much more blurry because Edward Soler, Ronald Jones, one of them will get hurt. One of them will get benched. I could just see Pacheco working his way in, but with McKinnon there, just blurs the water a little too much for me. And I I wish I would have had that pick back because I was actually choosing between Pacheco and Ty Chandler of the Minnesota Vikings. 
and I went Pacheco right before. And now I wish I had that back and could have gone to Ty Chandler instead. Other news and notes around organized team activities. The uh, lot of positive Robbie, a lot of positives around Desmond Ritter, rookie quarterback in in Atlanta. I have a soundbite at SiriusXM Fantasy out there calling Marcus Mariota my breakout quarterback of the year. Now that's a little misleading because I never said breakout quarterback. I said into QB leagues. That's the kind of quarterback I'm gravitating towards. Reason being, he's a big time rushing threat. I could see Mariota rushing for well, you know, 500 plus yards, throwing for another 3,600 plus in this offense, especially with how much they're going to have to throw um, in Atlanta. So now we get Desmond Ritter and Ritter's kind of younger version of Mariota. These guys are very similar. All right. And Mariota has shown better completion percentage better accuracy at times than Ritter, but Ritter really did polish that up in his senior year at Cincinnati. And I'm not surprised that they're impressed with him. It's, I thought he was the number one quarterback in this class, but it doesn't change how I feel about Mariota starting the season with Drake London and Kyle Pitts. I think there's enough offensively here in Atlanta for them to be presentable. And Arthur Smith always does this, you know, one of the fascinating things in, my coaching breakdowns. Maybe I'll go through that on the show today. Um, I'm going to get to some tier one players. I wanted to do that with you on this episode. I want to get through some of these uh, organized team activity notes as well, but I'll go through some of my findings with the coaching breakdowns over fantasyguru.com. They're not published yet. We're still polishing them off. Like if you've never read my coaching breakdowns before, I will say that they're very robust. There's a lot to them. Okay. I go through the entire staff at this point. I even talk about the front offices and I, I tell you the significant front office decision makers, offensive coaches, defensive coaches. We've got graphs and charts from our guy, Mike Horn over there at fantasyguru.com. He supplies me with all of the charts and graphs that you see in these articles. And then I interpret them for you. I did a little bit, different of a style or format this year based on your feedback from them, because I had been writing so much and I'll write a, a lot about the coach, the head coach. I'll write a lot about the offense coordinator, a lot about the defensive coordinator and then some assistance. So I, I streamlined it. I talk about the pass game, the run game, what assistant coaches matter, which ones don't. Okay. Which players fit, which ones don't. Because that, that's another thing. Every one of the coaching breakdowns and system breakdowns this year, I show you, I, show, I tell you how they fit, why they fit, and then who doesn't fit. Okay, sometimes there's players that don't fit. or Not sometimes, all the time. There are always square pegs and round holes that just don't fit the system. And some of them, you're going to see some of these and you'll be like, what? What are you talking about? Tom Brady doesn't fit. I don't, that's not one of them, but that's remember that that's the point of this is they don't fit the system. And I'm not saying they're not good. If they're not good, I write this guy sucks or this guy's not good. Don't draft him. But so we streamlined it a little bit this year, but I think you'll get a lot out of them. And that's one of the things that with the Atlanta Falcons, at least that I found is what Arthur Smith does their head coach. 
ever since his Tennessee days. And he's the guy who replaced Marcus Mariota with Ryan Tannehill. He's the guy who pulled the, that the rug out from Mariota. Now when I went back and looked at that. There was an injury to Mariota in that last game in that game. And in all week long, there was that question. Tannehill got a start because of Mariota injury and he never looked back. But the thing that Arthur Smith does incredibly well is silence. He shuts the fuck up. He doesn't talk about what he's going to do. He doesn't. He is a Bill Belichick type where he will build a different game plan for each opponent. It could be a little nightmarish for fantasy owners. And the thing that he does better, though, is he just doesn't disclose it all. Not to the media. He tell, He has all his assistants on very, very tight-lipped secrecy very quiet. So, I mean, you know, it's one of those things that it makes sense. And you think uh, all coaches kind of want that secrecy, but nothing lets out under Arthur Smith and he sneaks up. That's why his offenses sneak up on teams. And I think Atlanta will play some close games. I don't think they're going to be very good. And defensively, they've got some real issues, but that offense, I think will at least keep them in the, in a lot of these games, put some pressure on opposing defenses and offenses. So, and I think that's going to be Mariota. I think it's Kyle Pitts, of course, and Drake London. Anyway, um, I'll go through Let me go through some of the coaching findings there too. Once I skim through some more OTA notes there. Um, what else was happening? Oh, the Robbie Anderson, Carolina thing. That's fascinating to me. Robbie Anderson, if you're paying any kind of attention, and I don't know why you would at this point, this dude's having a mental breakdown. He changed his name from R-O-B-B-Y, which it's been the entire, his entire career, to now he's R-O-B-B-I-E, Anderson. Okay, why are we changing it? I don't know. There's no reason. It's been that, no reason, but that's what it is. Um, so he tweets out a week ago, or earlier this week, I should say, that um, he was thinking about retiring. And he eventually deleted the tweet and he goes back and, you know, they were hinting at retirement for Robbie Anderson and, you know, makes sense. Cause he was super frustrated last season, super frustrated with Sam Darnold, super frustrated with the direction of the Carolina Panthers offense. And I think he, he was very, very right. This guy who's 29 years old. He's played six years in the league. He's lost a shit ton of games specifically with the jets. And you looked at it, thought things were on the right pace in 2020, 95 catches, 1,000 yards, only three touchdowns that year. He literally got wiped out, played 16 games, played 17 games last year, 50% production almost across the board, although he had more, had more touchdowns, five, to th- five touchdowns, more than he had, uh, two more than he had in 2020. But I don't blame him. I, I think Carolina is an obvious choice. The first coach fired Matt rule. So if you could bet on that, I would take that one to the bank. That's a, that's a freaking, it's an absolute right there. It's going to call it. Oh, by the way, investment advice for all of you uh, people out there. That's one thing with going on vacation, noticing, holy shit, the prices airlines up, rental cars are up, gasoline's up, food's up, everything's up, right? I talked about it on one of our last shows over at fantasyguru.com. We had to kind of raise our prices too. And it's one, 
last things that we want to do. And it's not, Oh, Hey, Jeff Mans needs a, a beach house. No new. What we need is to be able to store our site and need all the servers. And we need all the data that comes with it. And even though there's no supply chain issues with any of the stuff that we need, they jacked up our rates on all of it. So we're paying quite a bit more behind the scenes and thus we've had to raise our price. Now, what we did is offer different packages depending on your needs, kept the draft guide and in-season product about the same price, but we broke out the podcast package in elite plus the uh, fantasy football training camp. We, the off season package in case you don't give a shit about fantasy football in the off season. And then our data package is uh, an extra two. And we came up with that all in package where we can give everybody everything that we're doing in 2022 for that price of 99.99. So again, check that out over there, but we're all trying, we're all struggling. I got a little tip for you guys. So a financial tip that um, I'm not, I was in investments for a while. Um, You you know, I I was in, uh, I sold investment products for, a year and a half as I transitioned to full-time in fantasy. Um, my brother was a very smart investor back in the late eighties, early nineties. He had early eighties. He had blockbuster video stock for like a quarter share and it shot through the fucking roof. And, you know, he, he made a bundle doing that and then gave it all to his ex-wife. That's a uh, story for another day. But uh, my investment guy told me I bonds buy I bonds. The reason you buy I bonds right now is because it rises with the state of inflation. Okay. And now you only could, the current rate is 9.6% interest. You're getting an I bonds pretty fucking good. Right. Again, I think it's cap of 15,000 that you could put in there. At least that's what my guy's telling me. So um, if you are, you have money laying around, you know, talk to your investment guy. Don't take my raw advice. Don't do that. Just talk to your investment people, ask around, do your own research. But, you know, one thing I've been meaning to say this for several episodes now, one thing that smart people do, and I don't mean any disrespect to anybody. I'm as dumb. I'm dumber than all of you. I guarantee it. No fucking doubt. I'm dumber. No question. But always, you got to adapt. You always got to keep moving forward. I don't like people that I don't like it when people declare, Oh, it's over. I lost. It's over. And I'm looking at the scoreboard. I'm like, there's two innings left to play. There's 10 minutes left of the game. Just nothing's over. Right. And you always, things are rising. We know it's inflation and what they want you to do. The people that want to keep you down, all of us down, what they want us to do is blame somebody. They blame the president, blame the former president, blame the next president, blame Congress, blame your state representative, blame big business. No, blame yourselves. Blame yourselves. Because when something's, anytime something's happening, there's a counter, there's a reaction. Something When something's going down, something else is going up. Something else is going down, something else is going up. That's the way the world works. Winners win. They find ways to win. They find ways to persevere. They find ways to profit, right? That's what they, that's what winners do. 
They don't sit around blaming everybody, pointing the fingers and go stockpile a bunch of guns and shit and say, fucking world wars coming. No, that no, we win. That's what we do at fancy guru. That's what we do on this podcast. And anything I do, we, we keep moving forward. And if we don't win, we fucking go down swinging and I'll swing for every single last one of you. And if, you tell me a problem in your life. I'll, I'm your friend. I'll help you. I want to help people as much as possible. I hate when, because again, yeah, I talked about my childhood and vacations and things. I've, t- I've been very open and transparent. Like it, when my nephew was visiting, it's one of those situations where you kind of relive those memories. Like, holy shit, man. I was cooking a mama Celeste pizza, a, one of those square pizzas for three of us. I was like probably 13 years old and they were eight and six at the time. And we're like, that's all we had. It wasn't like oh, all covered full of food and shit. No, that's what we had. And we drank water <laughs> and milk. We did have milk. You know what I mean? Like we just didn't, we had to figure out, we had to make up games and things that were fun because we didn't have access to everything. And this is before the internet too. But so when you grow up in that environment, you find, you adapt. And I always had a philosophy of adapt or die. Change with the times get busy living, get busy dying. Like Andy Dufresne said, so life will come at you. Obstacles will be presented. You don't just sit there like a stump and say, I guess this is it. This is my life. Everything bad happens to me. I fucking hate that sentiment. I really do. Anyway. Um, those are, uh, some of the OTA notes. What the fuck was I? I was talking, Oh, I was talking about Robbie Anders. He ain't retiring. He probably sees Terrace Marshall coming. That's what I think. He probably thinks Ter- Terrace Marshall must own in Dynasty. Talked about him on the last episode. So that's my opinion on all of that. Um, let me do the coaching findings. You know, some, some fun things that I have uncovered. You know, the other day on the Elite Sports Show on Sirius XM Fantasy Sports Radio, I, I did a little explanation. It seemed uh, some people liked it. You know, the X's and O's part of football is something that I really like. And I talked about the Denver Broncos and Nate Hackett, who's the new head coach, comes over, you know, Paul Hackett, family, you know, very innovative coaching tree, if you will. But Nate Hackett's offensive coordinator for the Packers the last couple of years, but he didn't do anything. He didn't call plays. It was just more of a clipboard holder than anything. He was with the Jaguars a couple, you know, back in what, 2018-ish, somewhere around there was the offensive coordinator for the Jaguars. Then now Jaguars were pretty decent back then. You know, we forget about that. We look at like some teams, you hear the name Jacksonville Jaguars, like uh, bottom feeders, you know, no good. Can't, you know, didn't do much of anything, but we forget like that 2017 team was pretty damn good, right? Pretty damn good. Went all the way to uh, uh NFC championship game against the Patriots and had the lead in that game. From what I recall, defense just couldn't hold it in the fourth quarter. And uh, unfortunately, but that was, you know, that's Nate Hackett was there and called the plays for Blake Bortles. Mm, right. <laughs> Blah, but Leonard Fournette and th- those guys like that was that offense. Uh, he goes to Denver. And one of the interesting things that I found there is that they're going to run an outside zone uh, run game, outside zone blocking. And the difference between inside zone and outside zone is inside a little more. You need more powerful runners. You kind of target the cutback lane is around the shoulder of the A or B gap on the interior lineman. 
uh, as they go with an outside zone, everybody moves one way. They all both, both zone blocking. They're all moving one way. They leave somebody unblocked at the edge and the running back basically has to make a play on that, that person. And either the target this, the whole right through the right guard or the left guard, or the, one of the interior linemen, A and B gaps as you go from center, or you hit the outside of the tackle and that's the outside zone. That's the ideal cutback lane. And why this matters is just the talent that it takes to execute each one. And they're really similar. You need a more power to use inside zone, which is what green Bay runs. And it's what Jacksonville ran back in the, in that Leonard Fournette time with the, uh, with Nate Hackett. Um, they ran inside zone. Now they're running outside, which is Kyle Shanahan, Gary Kubiak, Rick Dennison. You've heard me talk about these kind of these coaches before, and you need a little bit more speed. You got to get to the edge, right? And you got to get around the guy instead of through him. Well, Javante Williams can do both. He breaks a ton of tackles. Most highest percentage of broken tackle to carry in the National Football League last year. Second only to Jonathan Taylor in total missed tackles forced. That was second to Taylor, despite having nearly a hundred less carries than him. So that's how impressive he is. But and he's fast. He's four four speed. The one thing we do know is Melvin Gordon can't get to that outside. So it doesn't fit Melvin Gordon nearly as well. Another indicator, Javante Williams is um, has a really has a real good shot, right? In uh, for, for the Denver Broncos in this new scheme of theirs. Um, some other things that I picked up along the way um, when we're talking about you know. Love what the Cleveland Browns do um, in diving into the Kevin Stefanski, Alex Van Pelt whole uh, offense. There's thing that I think what jumped out to me the most there is in the running is Kareem Hunt having five leg injuries all to his right leg. That was the big takeaway uh, for me from the Cleveland Browns is that. I think that Jerome Ford has a real chance here in year one, even to, um, to produce, to get on the field. We know Dearness Johnson is now back, but I also believe that Ford was brought in to replace Kareem Hunt. I don't think Kareem Hunt, we're going to see him healthy again. I just do not believe that we're going to see him again. Oh, going back to Atlanta. um, There's a bunch on Atlanta that I had because the, the Falcons, one of the interesting things that they did is Atlanta went out and brought in a new running back coach, uh, Michael Petre, from, who was with Chicago Bears the last season, was also at Oregon for a couple of years. But the interesting thing there, he was RB coach in Chicago, comes to Atlanta, brings over who? Damien Williams from was with Chicago last year, comes in here to Atlanta as well indicator you got to look for those types of relationships you got to look at for you got to look at who is comfortable with whom because i mean at the end of the day we can break this down all we want and it, it took me a decade plus to figure out that no matter there's no statistic there's no metric that i'm going to find that will say unequivocally that this player is going to play ahead of this player. 
Now, the, the thing that's most important in fantasy football is opportunity. If you're not on the field, you can't produce. And it, we can sit here, and there's been many times where we do, we sit here and scream about it. This guy's faster. This guy's bigger. This guy's stronger. This guy's better. And any metric we want to bring up. But it just doesn't matter. It simply doesn't matter unless, well, of course, they – have our familiar they the coaching staff will allow the player on the field and call his number when he is on the field call the play best for him put a system in place that's best for them so there you go by the way another thing about the falcons is that uh ryan pace former general manager of chicago bears is now with the atlanta falcons the senior personnel executive so he's helping out terry fontenot back there you see a lot of like those chicago all of a sudden, a couple of Chicago Bears guys who have left and are now joined the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, the um, uh, uh, Charles London, another one of them that was with the Bears, is now the quarterback coach of Mariota and Desmond Ritter. Dave Rangon was with the Bears for a year as well. So kind of a Chicago South, if you will. Some other things, I mean, the Buffalo Bills, I talked about this one on the air before as well, but I absolutely love it. Bringing back offensive line coach Aaron Cromer, bringing back the zone blocking scheme, which is very fascinating and uh, you know very exciting for this offense because they've their leading rusher has been Josh Allen the last couple of years. But what it does is they brought back Cromer. Cromer was with the Bills for several years in 2015, 2016 uh, timeline. And LaShawn McCoy, and they led the league in rushing two of the three years he was there. Okay, then he goes, he leaves, he goes to L.A. with the Rams. Well, Todd Gurley leads the league in, uh, not in rushing, he fantasy points, and was another stalwart before his injury for 12 games of that second year. It was an absolute stud. And while in L.A., he had a left guard who they ran behind almost all the time. That whole left side of the Rams offense line, Whitworth, at tackle and Roger Saffold, the one of the best for my money. I think he's the best pure run blocking guard in the National Football League, especially when you're talking zone blocking. He is just the best. And guess what? Roger Saffold was with Cromer in LA, got to a Super Bowl. They lose the Super Bowl. And then Saffold leaves. Where does he go? Huh? Whatever happened with that cat? Well, he goes to Tennessee. What happened in Tennessee? Oh, he blocked for 2,000 yard rusher Derrick Henry. Okay, well, now he's in Buffalo, rejoins Aaron Cromer and this Buffalo Bills staff who promotes Ken Dorsey, also brings in Joe Brady. Joe Brady's near the quarterback coach. What did Joe Brady, where do you know him from? Well, he did. He was the offensive coordinator in Carolina the last year and a half, but he quit. He literally resigned after they bring Cam Newton back because they completely threw their offense in the trash cans. Why Matt Rule will be fired at some point this year. But Brady's the architect of the passing game with Joe Burrow, Terrace Marshall, Jamar Chase, and Justin Jefferson at LSU. And he was with the New Orleans Saints organization for a number of years with Sean Payton as well. So you want to talk about hell of a great duo and set of assistants. Buffalo just keeps replenishing, even though Brian DeBall left. But back to Aaron Cromer, zone scheme, great blocking, have has had great success doing this before. And then they go out and get James Cook. James Cook of Georgia wasn't that high on him going into the draft. But you, you look at him, 
ran zone in Georgia, was more of a pass catcher there. That's true. But who's his brother? Dalvin Cook. What was Dalvin Cook's expertise? Well, he was, he bursts when Rick Dennison got to, and, and Gary Kubiak got to Minnesota. Dalvin Cook went nuts. One cut runner has just changed his entire career. James Cook is now there with Saffold and Deion Dawkins and Mitch Morse, who was in Kansas City before. This is a great offensive line. And, and by the way, they also got David Quisenberry who I think will eventually start at right guard for them. He could play center. He could play tackle. But Questenberry, a huge him, Cody Ford, Ryan Bates, Spencer Brown, they have a deep and talented offense line in Buffalo, and they are going to run the ball more. Mark my words, folks. Buffalo will run the ball this year, and I think it's James Cook that gets a lot of those carries. Um, Other things that I found while uh, doing coaching and research shit. I mean, I got – a thousand things. I get, I get literally so many different uh, nuances like this that are in the coaching breakdowns. Um, D- the Detroit Lions, I think, deserves our attention as well. Remember, Detroit was a different team in the second half of the year than they were in the initial portion. They were just absolutely terrible. And one of the things I like to do is go back and read what I had written up about the coaching staff and about the team going into last season. And one of the, I said, hiring Anthony Lynn was a smushmortion. It was a terrible decision and one that Matt Campbell will, or Dan Campbell will regret. Well, what do you know? Took eight weeks and that absolutely happened. Remember the lions were Oh, and eight. Oh, and eight. They lose the Eagles 44 to six getting blasts out of the water. They have a bye week. During that bye week, Dan Campbell says, fuck this, we're scrapping everything. Who's got some ideas? Well, little-known tight end coach named Ben Johnson stood up and said, well, here's what I think we should do. I think we should copy what McVay was successful with doing with Jared Goff in L.A. What's that? Up-tempo. Push the pace. Okay, that's going to put more stress on the defense. We don't care. Our defense sucks anyway. Might as well try to win it with offense. All right. Uh, play with a fast pace, simplify the playbook, you know, keep it very even Jared Goff. If you ever saw the video of him in 2016, when he was a rookie in LA with the Rams, he didn't know what kind, he didn't know what side where the sun rose in the morning, right? He didn't know those sun rises in the East sets in the West. He had no idea. He didn't know what continent he was on. He couldn't name any continents he, like he's, Jared Goff's a talented dude. He's not smart. Not at all. So um, this tight end coach does that. And what do you know? Dan Campbell called the plays and right out of the gate. They tied the Steelers 16-16, a huge game there. They barely lose to the Browns the next week, 13-10. They barely lose to the Bears the following week, 16-14. Then they start winning games. Took a couple weeks. Then all of a sudden they beat the Vikings. They lose the Broncos in the lopsided game there, but they beat the Cardinals, a playoff team, and they beat them handily, 30 to 12. They lose against the Falcons by four. The Seattle kind of runs it up on them in that last home game from Russell Wilson, if you remember that one, 51-29. And then they beat the Packers in the final week of the season. They finished off on a nice little three-and-three run, and it changed the offense. So they – shit can Anthony Lynn they bring in 
Ben Johnson, the tight end coach from last year, he was promoted to, he's the new offense coordinator. What they're doing now is pushing tempo. They're going to play fast in Detroit. And they're, their entire workout regimen, Dan Campbell said, be prepared to bleed from your lungs. This is the kneecap biting guy. Okay. Do they, their assistants, Deuce Staley, Mark Brunel, Antoine Randall L., Hank Fraley, John Morton. Okay. If you know anything about those players or those coaches, Todd Walsh, Aaron Glenn's their defensive coordinator, by the way, what do they have in common? These were all former players and they most of them played at a pretty high level. So that's what Dan Campbell believes in. He wants coaches that have been there and are going to be part of this rebuild with the Detroit Lions. That's what he wants. And that's what they have. And also, so Ben Johnson is going to push the pace. They simplified the playbook. They said, fuck everything. We are going there. They have the only playbook in the National Football League right now that are it's one word calls. There's a word and a letter or corresponding hook, right? Normally you have, you ever red leather, yellow leather, or whatever, Omaha 52 one, you know, every part for those who never play football and never learned the playbook before is like each word doesn't really mean anything in itself. It's the letter it starts with. It's the syllable count. There's always a rhythm and a rhyme to play calling, getting people going. They think Jared Goff's so stupid. They're going one word. It's going to be one word and a hook. Like, that's it. It's going to be uh, Razor 41. That's it. That's the play. Because they, it's going to be easier for everybody to understand. Everybody's going to be on the same page. They want everyone to know. They, they know they have talent on the offense, and that's what's going to be. And they're going to push the pace. They also have a great offensive line, by the way, in Detroit. We don't realize it when we're in the middle of the season, but they uh, Taylor Decker played – couple games last year two or three games frank rag now they're all pro all probably one of if not the best center in the game played half the season he was hurt but you got vitai who moves inside penny sewell who had a very very strong second half of the season decker jonah jackson who went to the pro bowl last year okay so this is a very good offensive line you got swift and williams behind you got golf now in a simplified offense with DJ Chark and Jamison Williams and Amon Ross St. Brown, Josh Reynolds, who had a good connection with as well. And TJ Hawkinson's also back. He was out for those last six games when St. Amon Ross St. Brown popped off. So it's a different offense in Detroit and an exciting time in Detroit. I think their defense is still going to suck. Aaron Glenn forces man coverage. Like it's a bad idea, but still, you know, I, I, that's just what they're going to do. Um, so, yeah, I, I have a lot of interest there. I think DJ Chark, sneaky little play. Sneaky, sneaky, sneaky little uh, wide receiver. I'm excited about Amon Ross St. Brown. There, you can't deny the connection that he and Jared Goff had. We just can't. Okay, so while we understand that Amon Ross St. Brown is has some interest and intrigue to us, um, he's also being drafted accordingly, right? I mean, he's a guy who is not – falling too far in drafts and none of the lions are getting DeAndre Swift's the only one getting any love, but Amon Ross St. Brown is uh, going, what's he wide receiver 33, 68.1 p. It's okay. I mean, like, all right, like, that's fair. I think that's a probably a good place. I'd be a buyer at that point. I think that is worth it as a 
to get him as a wide receiver three based on what he did last year and that connection is fantastic. However, DJ Chark, who signed a big deal this offseason with Detroit, remember, he chose Detroit, DJ Chark. Nobody chooses Detroit. It doesn't happen. Well, he did. He know he went there for a very specific reason. And the coaching staff loves that shit. He's wide receiver 67 off the board. DJ Chark's going behind Van Jefferson, Jacoby Myers, Jamison Crowder. Oh, my God. Tim Patrick, Jalen Tolbert. He's going behind all of them. ADP of 148.7. So there you go. couple of uh, uh, lions there that I, I think are good at their sp- specific spots. Um, all right. So, you know, I'm, I'll sprinkle more of these in. These are a lot of fun. I probably should have coordinated that, the uh, more of the coaching findings, if you will that I've uncovered. There's so much and it's weird the way my brain works is that I have to stumble upon it. And I realize, Oh yeah, this was, I remember looking this up and seeing this and finding this. And you know, it's the, when you're never stop working, never stop grinding. These are the things that happen, but sometimes they get overloaded. I did want to go through my tier one player list with you guys. Now what a tier one player is. These are the must haves. These are the top, I'll go through my top uh, rankings at every position. These are all on fantasyguru.com. And by the way, they're all ranked and tiered and projected, and it's all there for you. So um, print them out, save them. You could adjust things. You could, we allow you to download in CSV or Excel format and import import them to wherever you want. We have our uh, My Guru tool, which you could import your leagues to to helps you with trades and all that good stuff. So um, tier one quarterbacks, as we sit here in mid June, I still have Mahomes at one, even though, you know, Mahomes deserves that one spot. The fact that he has to do more this year, maybe without Tyree kill almost is a little more intriguing him and Josh Allen are obviously at the top, but I have Mahomes Allen Herbert, Hertz, and Burrow. That's my true tier one. Those guys, like Stafford and Lamar and Dak, Kyler, they're interesting. They're interesting. I, I like them, but I want one of those tier one. And by the way, a draft strategy over at fantasyguru.com, uh, the great Tyler Beaker wrote this one up about the elite quarterback, draft an elite quarterback. I'm on that train. You give me Justin Herbert in the fourth or fifth round, I'm going to take it every single time. Like I would have 100%. If I could negotiate that, I should go into my draft and say, hey, here's a here's a deal. I will give up my fifth round pick, but just put Justin Herbert in there for me. If you guys will all agree to that, I'll take it 100. I'll take 100% of the shares. 100%. I won't hedge it with anybody else all the way in. So those are my tier one quarterbacks. My tier one running backs, running back a little bit different. And one thing that I notice is there's a lot of differences when it comes to how other people are grading the running backs this year. It seems to be every year like that. But for me, it's really all about that top, top tier, the almost the can't miss running backs. There's three of them. Absolutely. 
and I put five of them in. I'll explain why. There's five top tier running back, or what I call top or tier one running backs. Obviously, it's Jonathan Taylor. My second and third, for some reason, a lot of you aren't drafting in the top half of the first round. It's Najee Harris and Joe Mixon. Najee second, Mixon third. Why aren't you guys drafting them? What is happening? Najee's ADP is around 10, Mixon around 12. So you're kind of late first round for Harris outside of round 12 or uh, the first 12 for Mixon. Second round pick. You love Cincinnati, everything they do, and you're going to just glob all over Jamar Chase and even Burrow, but you're not going to think the running back's going to do anything? With that improved offensive line, that's okay. You want to go to a coaching thing that I found. Um, the Cincinnati Bengals play at one of the slowest paces in the National Football League. They relied a ton on deep passes and deep passing play. The Cincinnati Bengals, Bengals are going to throw the hell, or I'm sorry, run the hell out of the football every year. That's what they're going. That's what Zach Taylor is going to do. They will run, run, run. And if they get a lead, that's they will sit on the football and they will use Joe Mixon right down the field. So he's one of only Taylor's not a three down back. Harris is a three down back. Mixon's a three down back. Okay. That's really the list. There's a couple other guys like Dalvin cook. That's a three down back. Technically Derrick Henry is, even though he, they don't throw to him. So they don't use him like it, but he is Christian McCaffrey is those are the real true three down backs. So be careful. You guys are drafted a lot of guys in the first round of running backs that come off the field way too much for my liking. So Taylor Harris, Mixon, Eckler and McCaffrey. Those are my other two. And, and I'll tell you what, I could have cut the tear off after Mixon. I have Eckler there because I could handcuff Isaiah Spiller to him. And I feel ultra secure. Eckler starting to get to the age where you, you start worrying about body breaking down. I also, listen, I love Austin Eckler. I love everything he's doing with Yahoo fantasy and all this. I love it, but you can't pretend like that doesn't mean something. It means something. Is his eye on the prize? Hmm, I don't know. I was all over him last year. I told you to take him. But, but I'm just a little cooler on him, even though I do have him a four and a tier one guy. If it wasn't for Isaiah Spiller, I wouldn't have him. He was down at eight or nine at running back position for me. Okay? So I have him there, and the Christian McCaffrey is my last one. I think that if you were to pass up Christian McCaffrey and took a Henry or Javante Williams or cook, I think I would be okay with it. Cause I get it. I don't know if this guy will ever stay healthy again, but we can't deny it. there's thought the entire entirety of the offense will go through Christian McCaffrey in Carolina, the entirety of it passing. They paid him a ton of money and they want to get all it. And I think that's the reason because they will play him so much is that he'll never stay healthy in his life again. Okay. But there is no, they don't, I don't have the love for Chuba Hubbard, even though I scored six touchdowns last year, or Dante Foreman uh, at all as a handcuff. So that's why I'm a little bulky at that, but we can't deny what McCaffrey does. But you have to be willing to risk it and that tier one level. So those are my tier one running backs, my tier one wide receivers. Um, pretty, I won't say obvious, but obviously we know Cooper cup's still number one. I saw a draft, the FSGA draft the other day, just this past week, actually, where Jamar chase went as the first wide receiver off the board. I think it was sixth overall. 
And then Justin Jefferson went seventh overall and cup went eighth. So cup was a third wide receiver, which is, is a little mix up, but again, I don't have any problem with them for me. It's Cooper cup one, Justin Jefferson, two Jamar chase three. And I have Devonte Adams four. that's it. Those are my top, top, top tier one wide receivers. Um, I think it's self-explanatory as to why if you at the question you probably would have is why not some of the other players you hear me talk about Debo Samuel a ton Debo Samuel if he played if the 49ers coaching staff were allowed to use Debo Samuel the way they did in the final six weeks of last season he would have 170 touches 172 to be exact that would be 22 more than any wide receiver in football history. Okay, that amount of touches and the ability to score that many touchdowns, especially down low, is unprecedented for a wide receiver. He would be the number one player if I if I was sure of that. But I again, I don't think he's going to get traded at this point. But I also don't know about the role. I don't think they're going to put him back in that exact role. So he's just outside. He's a tier two guy for me. I, I have Mike Evans up there in my tier two. I have Tyreek Hill and I have Keenan Allen. All those guys are right up there, right up in the tier two. Stefan Diggs, I think we saw Gabriel Davis emerge last year. They're going to run the ball more in Buffalo. We know Josh Allen runs. We saw Gabriel Davis. We saw Dawson Knox. They go out and get OJ Howard. A lot of weapons now. Um, Jameson Crowder to fill that Cole Beasley role in Buffalo. So nothing against Diggs. Still top 10 wide receiver. Just, just tier three for my liking this year. So, um, and then a tight end, another one, Travis Kelsey still number one for me. Um, Mark Andrews is actually my third tight end. He is indeed the end of my tier one tight ends, however, because there's only three of them. It really should only be one in Travis Kelsey, but I have Kyle Pitts second and Andrews third Kittle never stays healthy. It's a concern. Darren Waller now will lose a ton of volume to Devonte Adams and Hunter Renfro and the running backs, but he's going to catch a lot of touchdowns. Watch Darren Waller this year. If you're in a standard league, put Waller up there ahead of Kittle. You could possibly, you can make a case for Waller second to Kelsey in a standard league format. Cause he's going to be a red zone hog. That is for sure. But yeah, it's Kelsey it's Pitts and Andrews end of list. So those are my tier one guys. Um, yeah, I don't think anybody else at tight end is going to challenge you or make you guys question who they are. I'll go through tiers more on this podcast as we go forward. We're a little over an hour at this point. I'm going to wrap it up. Got to get back to the fam, get back on this, uh, whatever they call it, vacation, vacation. I don't know what it is. Hopefully we got some out of this, this episode here. Uh, we'll have, I do have good guests lined up. No days off for me all the way through this uh, end of this year, all the way through the Christmas break. I will be taking that weekend off, but it won't affect this podcast whatsoever. Christmas being on a Sunday this year. So um, I will have yeah one less serious XM show on Sunday mornings this year. And then uh, also less Saturday night chat on fancy guru. Other than that, baby, I'm locked in ready to go. 2022 season is, is locked in. We are ready over at fantasyguru.com. Get over there. Get the all-in package. If you are a current subscriber and you're you're gonna want, if you are gonna want in on that elite mafia fantasy football championship, that league, 
and you want to attend our fantasy football training camp, um, Q and a and seminars and how to's and X's and O's and all the good stuff that you've come to love from the elite mafia over the years. If you're into that email us support at fantasyguru.com. If you're on the fantasyguru.com website is lower left corner. There's a little thing that says support, click on that. It'll help you out and tell them, Hey, I just renewed for 2022, but I want the all in package according to Jeff Manson. It's only 99 bucks. So that's what it is. It's a one-time deal to make sure that uh, you get everything that we have over there for the year. Otherwise you'll be missing out. And if you can't totally understand it, totally get it folks, um, man, been there, done that, had to make a lot of sacrifices. Kids want souvenirs and shit. No, no, no. Things are expensive. So trust me, Pappy's got your back. Remember to follow me at Jeff underscore man's on Twitter, the Jeff man's on Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, and on TikTok. Remember underdogfantasy.com promo code elite, double your initial deposit and see when myself and our whole crew at fantasyguru.com is drafting our best ball league. Somebody please one of the elite mafia take down that $2 million top prize. If I can't win, I need it to be one of you so we could all celebrate together. That will do it for this episode. Number 115 in the tank. Thank you for tuning in. Please spread the word, everybody. We keep this free. We keep it uncensored. We keep it going every single week here on the program. You may disagree with some or maybe everything that you heard on today's show. And it's perfectly all right, folks. Do you know why? You know why? Because it was one man's opinion. We'll see you next time, everybody. Deuces!